0: the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us curing through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Hello, Barons. Today's podcast is brought to you by the King G. Golf Club's. They're lighter, easier to swing, effortless to get the ball in the air. In fact, these things are pretty much the perfect gift for that special lady in your life. Custom fitted with lots of options in your set makeup, from fairway woods that extend all the way up to a nine wood, and hybrids from four through seven, check out the Ping GLE2 golf clubs. There's a reason these things are the fastest selling women's clubs on the market. Philby, welcome along, tenuous links. Good to have you back. Damien, very good to be here, and maybe they're suited to me. The- I think, well, will you be buying your lovely wife a set of the GL, or is it G 2?
1: GL 2. Um, I would, accept that would mean she'd play golf. So, no, we might pass oh, on no. that one, but thanks for oh, the
0: suggestion. You're not going off on that again. Oh, dear. We will talk about that another time, but, you know, usually I throw it to you for your We all hate to get rid of the negativity, but I need to get this off my chest. I need to just cleanse myself of this. So I'm going to get straight into the hate for me this week. Robotic Pro Shop staff, Phil, those miserable feckers. Call it how you see it, Damien. Well, I'm. This this is going to. Um, this might upset you a little bit, so I'll I'll be nice and gentle. At a club recently, only a couple of weeks ago. This is a club that's very dear to your heart. It's also a, a club that's dear to my heart. It's a beautiful place. The several courses it has, every one of them is magnificent. The food's magnificent. The the drinks that they have there is magnificent. I'm wincing. But the pro shop need to learn how to smile. <laughs> I need some happiness when I'm about to start my round. I don't like getting in there. Yes, I'm here for it, and it's just miserable. And yep. Or, or just or – maybe miserable is a bit strong, but it's just – there's no warmth to it. There's, there's, it's almost like you're an intruder in the place. Make me feel welcome is not
1: that complicated, and is retail 101. Make me feel welcome and important, and, and you can do that with a
0: smile. And especially with golf, which is a game, as you know, that can you can fall apart very quickly. Uh, you need to be in, right, in the right mindset. So I'm getting out on the first tee. If I'm there feeling pretty good about it and go, oh, this is a great experience, I'm more likely to play decent golf, at least for a couple of shots. But, you know, that throws me off big time when you're already getting off on the wrong foot. When everything else, everything else screams magnificent experience and then that personal touch is just missing.
1: There was a a golf course many years ago up in Hillsville, actually, and there was a golf pro there who's been the best I've ever seen at not only welcoming people and making them feel warm, but actually wishing them well as they headed to the first tee. And it was genuine, encouraging them to play well and encouraging them. Um, to come back in and let him know how they played, it's not that difficult. Making people feel welcome is not that difficult. It should happen more at retail. It should happen more in pro shops. I couldn't agree more, and I'm not offended by the target of your hate this week.
0: Is that an Australian thing, do you think? I mean, I haven't, haven't experienced that in a couple of other countries I've played in. Service is king. Look, I'll
1: particularly say North America, service is king. It's what they've cut their teeth on, and they – smiles everywhere. You feel welcome. You feel king of the world. You feel like, Damien, a baron. In every oh, every nice. golf course that I've ever been to in North America, I have felt like a baron. I felt like the purpose for, for their business, not a bit of an interruption because I was watching race four, number five.
0: <laughs> Very good. Now I've got that off my chest. I'm feeling a little bit cleansed. Over to you, Phil. I'm sure you've got something that you need to get rid of. Damien, mine's- um, a different one, and probably because I've been
1: hurt by these things a lot over the journey. My hate is sledging, and what I'll actually say is accurate <laughs> sledging. And the one that is consistently able to work on me and had been for a number of years in a row and got exploited was by a, a very dear friend, colleague, mentor you can describe in, in a number of ways, Damien. And it only took two words, and I was daft. <laughs> and those two words were, Philly, people.
0: <laughs> the pressure of people behind you.
1: The pressure of anybody. Now, this, initially it happened from a, playing in a couple of pro-ams whereby I'd, it was people filly people, uh, and you'd look around and there was one person watching, which may or may not have been at this point in time his nephew. It was enough to throw me off. But from then it built and the enigma of people philly, uh built and built and built to the point where we could have been playing on our own and I had a delicate chip and all he needed to say was, Philly people
0: done, especially gone. you over chips. I've Flo- seen, oh. I've seen this in play. I've seen you you fall to pieces on chips, which the, you shouldn't they shouldn't be a problem for you. Technically, everything looks great. It's all upstairs, which is sense, a long way up for most people. Yeah, long way.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. But the sense that someone potentially could be watching me about to bugger something up was enough for me to guarantee that I buggered it up. It, it didn't matter when or how. And the best advice I ever got from a first tee um, in a pro am was almost shut your eyes and swing as hard as you can because at least if you hit it out of bounds, people will know that you had a crack because that's the only way I could overcome people, Philly people. Um, but around the green and those touch shots, you don't get the opportunity to wind up. Uh, so, no, it was all over. And they, it won him a number of matches um, <laughs> and uh, payback will happen at some stage. So but- a
0: flop shot over a um, over a bunker.
1: Damien, it actually wouldn't matter. If I had a chip and run that was straightforward, Philly, people, got game over. So I hate sledging. I respect it, but I hate it. More importantly, I hate
0: accurate sledging because it works, it works, it works, or maybe I'm just prone. That's quite funny for me that your hate this week is sledging. My love this week, Phil, is sledging. Oh, God, Damien, (laughs) what a surprise. This might stem to my... All those years playing cricket, um, there's nothing like a good sledge. Gets the whole group up and about, everyone's having a laugh, except usually the other Mate. person. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I mean, I was well documented. I've been, I struggled about a month or so ago. I was just in that horrible spot where I, I couldn't play. And I was out with a group of mates who uh, they're all, I think, pretty much off a higher handicap than I was. But I just had one of those horrible, horrible rounds. And the sledging that came, from them directed to me, oh, and the back and forth banter that made that round absolutely any gold? hilarious. What's was that? there any gold, Damien? Was there something that they delivered oh, to you? I mean, was, I'm not sure there's too much. Is this being cleared with legal <laughs> or no. where, where are we at? Or with? sensors or anybody else? No. Absolutely. No, um, the ones that I can, I'm just trying to think of something that happened. Well, at the end of the game, I mean, I tried to. The way you deal with sledging is that you need to kind of embrace it. You've really got to embrace it, and, and a bit of self deprecation at times is show that bit of humility and the. And guys will let you off, you would think. Into that round, I had, a, as I said, an absolute mare. Um, I spoke to one of the guys and said, "Oh, geez, I played like Steady Eddie today." And he turns around to me and goes, "Nah, more like Helen Keller." <laughs> and I was like, oh God, zing! That yeah, fair enough. Walk mm. away, walk away. Head between your tails, um, and I was done. <laughs> I'm but, not playing. I'm not playing with your mates. No, but I love it. It's good fun. Sledging's fun. Yeah. It's funny you talk about the cricket origins
1: of, of sledging. I remember going back to high school and um, was playing. Uh, and this will lead into my love, but I was playing a, a schoolboys comp at Royal Melbourne um, <laughs> on the east course there. And I would invited a mate of mine to, who was actually a better golfer than me, but I'd mi- invited a mate of mine to come and caddy. And I, I might have been 16. Um, but what I didn't understand was what he would have brought to the table as caddy. Now, we both know that caddies don't they bring a whole lot, contribute as much as some people think that they do.
0: Shout out to Kipper. <laughs> um, but. I reckon we were a, I
1: reckon we were a hole or two in and this young man who I also played golf with last week could not help himself and he actually there were little veiled sledges at the opposition not just at me and I was like come on just let us play golf and it just went all day just chirping all day it was like he was standing in slips and just all day all day chipping away and it I've got to, it started as nervousness from my point of view and then just flowed into hey, you got to respect if you've got that much material you should be allowed to just go I'd just go with it. So um, I have respect for sledges. I have fear of them. I have fear
0: of accurate sledges, but I appreciate that you are one of the better ones. Well, that's that was my love. Surely you've got something to love. Come on, Phil. You're a good man. Show me something. So Damien,
1: um, a few weeks ago we spoke about going to Cape Wickham, and in the leading to going to Cape Wickham you said uh, neither of us have been there, and then you paused oh. and said actually maybe you yeah, the have.
0: the big grin on your face if I said it. Yeah. Oh,
1: I had, which actually leads to my love. Um now l- drawing a longbow or a tenuous link, the number one voted episode of Seinfeld of all time
0: was called The Contest. The Contest? No. Well.
1: This is not exactly the same as that. But it's is- a
0: Master of Your Own Domain. Is that what we're
1: Master of Your Own Domain? This is really um a, a pissing contest or a name-dropping contest. Uh, when it comes to where have you played? Oh, this is you, all right. Yeah, go on. <laughs> so um, there's a couple of other people that, that I know that every now again like to throw around names, and there's one particularly, where as soon as a golf course comes up somewhere around the world, it is, have I told you about the time I played there? I had 78, you know, Pebble Beach. So he'll say Pebble Beach, and I'll go, like, Pinehurst number two was pretty good, you know, two weeks before the US Open, and then it's just on. on. Yeah. Old course at St. Andrews. Is that the only – and then he'll come back with, is that the only one of the British Open Rota that you've played is it the old course? Oh, Because I've played – um, do you know what finally I think might have won the day and tipped everything in my favour, Damien? What was it? What's Where did we over? play a couple of weeks ago, Damien?
0: Where did I get you on a couple of weeks ago? I'd like to think that we played
1: there, representing one of the great developing golf brands in Australia –
0: Shout out to Izzy at PGA Tour for helping get the uh, the long yeah, leg. You know that was that year. was actually a good get. But where
1: was it, Damien? I'm going to let you drop this one on my behalf so that I can't well, be accused of it.
0: Well, it's Royal Melbourne.
1: Just Royal Melbourne, Damien.
0: The composite course.
1: The composite course is that the is that the mix of the very best holes of the 36-hole complex That's at Royal regarded Melbourne
0: in the top handful of courses in the world. Right. So
1: yeah. so if you're listening out there, just understand that you can take your. You can take your – Oh, this is a direct message. St. Andrews. You can take your Royal Litham and St. Anne's. You can take your Port Rush and your Port Marnik and your Royal County down and you can take all of those and I'll see you on the first tee at the Composite if you ever get the chance to play there in your entire life. Haven't you just just walked straight into this
0: media role with love?
1: Oh, so I love the joy of just that little bit then. And no mention of playing at Capital or anywhere else. I love the joy of just that little bit then. Royal Melbourne Composite. Tick.
0: Done. Done. Magnificent. There's your love. Your name dropping. Well, speaking of name dropping, you often you're often dropping St. Andrews. St. Often St. Andrews old. That's that's often. gotta be one of your favorites of all time. Great. Greatest place on earth. Well, I'm actually going to give you something today reminiscent of the place. In fact, it's something that's named after St. Andrews, Phil. I'm introducing a new segment here because you've been getting us all Rather excited with your um, history lessons. Well, I of. thought. I thought. <laughs> is I that might, why you have a pillow with you? I might bring in. <laughs> I might bring in something that's a little closer to my heart. A new segment. Uh, you've all you've heard of golf tips. Mm. This is called golf tipple. That's very baron esque, Damien. It's, that it is. it is It's. Let's have a drink. Well, yeah. Let's let's <laughs> have is. a drink and see if we can talk any more rubbish. And I, I think we will, we'll go close anyway. So this is the St Andrews cocktail, Phil. I'm going oh, to fabulous. whip one up for you here quickly. For those who are playing at home, yeah, one part scotch, one part uh, honey liqueur, same again of orange juice, shake and put it in a cocktail glass. And this thing is, oh, it's like a warm hug in the middle of middle of winter. It's magnificent. So, Phil, you keep chatting while I quickly whip this together for you. I,
1: I will keep chatting and I'll, I'll get on to a couple of other things. But the first thing that has struck me, Damien, the first thing you've pulled out is this honey liqueur.
0: Um, well, I think cranberry as a usual is what most people would use, but I've gone something a little, little bit. I, I quite like this a little bit classier.
1: It's called, and I'm no good with my pronunciations. <laughs> um, it, it would appear to be called uh, Um So we've got a, a touch of. Kind film. <laughs> we've got a touch of from Lithuania as the honey liqueur. Uh, I've got which now expl- explains the freshly squeezed orange juice um, being delightfully prepared earlier. So in, um, so in goes the LaFroig.
0: LaFroy Is that how you say that? lefroig Lefroy it's... I've got a lot of work to do here. Sorry, I've got to come into the microphone here. Yes, Lefroy. So the one we're using is the quarter cask. Obviously, rather nice drop. Now, this is going to give it a bit more of a peaty flavour to the Scotch.
1: I'm a Scotch Muppet, Damien. I know
0: you are. What's peat? Uh, so Pete is the, gives it that smokiness, the barnyard sort of. It's the Pete of Scotland barnyard. I know. Well. <laughs> you can look it up. Um, so in goes that in goes some orange juice. This is falling well, stuff. You're allowed to talk while I do this.
1: Yeah, no, that's okay. So it's just so we've got a little bit of freshly squeezed orange juice going in with a Lafroig, the barnyard animal of <laughs> scotches, unless I've misinterpreted something, um, followed by um, a. Just enough of the crapper knickers. I'm sorry if I've offended anyone with my...
0: <laughs> as, you, as you notice, Phil, I'm a bit more of a free pourer. Yeah,
1: like. no, I, I really like the freestyle. And you know what I particularly like? I particularly like the subtle suggestion of the perlaranga Is oh. that not how I pronounce
0: that either?
1: What are you talking about? The Ah, uh, Um oh, There's a delightful cigar. It's apparently not even a cigar. It's a bellicostos extra.
0: It, it is a cigar. <laughs> Phil? you just uh, will apologize now for the shaking we'll be back shortly.
1: <laughs> so oh. here we go here we go this is this is uh, not live podcasting but this is Damien attempting to be cocktail you know Brian Brown you know Tom Cruise can you flick that over your shoulder?
0: Let's just say I did.
1: So just final preparation stages because I am now desperate to try this because if this tastes anything like the town,
0: how does the town taste?
1: The town tastes like heaven. Gee, that, and he's just poured it into a, into a cocktail glass for me. Wow. We, All right. Absolutely magnificent. Prepared quickly. There you are, sir. Um, first taste of the St. Andrew's cocktail named in the honour of the greatest place on earth. Cheers. Or slanty, as my father-in-law would like me to say. Is that say.
0: anything like schlanta? <laughs> <laughs> you no, trying no. to be Irish?
1: No, no, I just, sorry, I was taught to say slunchy by someone who was born there as opposed to
0: someone who just thinks he was, knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Slanchy. Interesting. Can you spell it? What are your thoughts? I'll be back in half an hour. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I think that's, uh, that, that could almost be a game changer for you, Phil. It could be, which leads us into. Can't speak drinking. <laughs> into a game changer. Let's get straight back into, back into golf.
1: I've been on a bit of a a mission about this grow the game, hashtag grow the game, play it forward, which I still love. is my favorite thing I've ever come up with, actually. But it became around grow the game and rather than actually just saying it, living it and breathing it. And so we wanted to find examples of people who are going out of their way to grow this beautiful game, particularly in Australia, um, because that's where we're based, but to grow the game and take the game places that others... Refused to or didn't have the work ethic to get there. That's yes, it's a little bit of a valid swipe at people sitting on their ass in pro shops or wherever else they are, as opposed to the ones who got off their ass and said, No, I'm going to have a crack. And this is what I'm calling outbound golf. Outbound golf. And I know there's more than one example of this in every country around the world and every region around the world, but the one that stands out for me um, is a young man. And yes, he'll be very happy that I've said that, um, and his partner, who decided to take golf rather than waiting for people to come to them. They've decided to take golf to the people. And in terms of taking golf to the people, I'm going to mention a couple of towns, Damien, and you just give me a nod or a shake of the head if you've even heard of them. Um, Urella? Yes. Walcher? Nope. war. What did you wear? (laughs) Narrabri?
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Walgut. Now, to give you an, to give you an idea, Walgett is seven hours' drive west out of, ch- towards Burke from Coffs Harbour right. in, in the central coast of Australia South Wales, or the central coast of New South Wales. So it's due west. It's just let's – oh, the sun's sitting over there. I'm going to jump in my caravan. I'm going to jump in my van and I'm just going to drive for seven hours because I reckon there's some golf out there. But what has happened is that the golf community in all these areas have really rallied, rallied around, um, well, Stephen Donner, They've rallied around them and they've embraced them and made them part of their communities. And not only that, the Jack Newton Golf Foundation have then said, we love what you're doing. You're taking golf out to the country. And now they're supporting them to teach kids golf and to allow golf, which is a critical community sport in regional Victoria, regional New South Wales, regional Australia, and Mm -hmm. and again around the world. People get together. They discuss what's going on in farming communities. Golf is the hub and the golf course is the hub. It is where everything happens. It's the, it's the centre of town. Um, and so this just supports that and makes sure the next generation of kids coming through um, have their opportunity as well, but both underprivileged in terms of Indigenous kids, and this is what I love about it, the un- amount of untapped talent that we have in Australia. Absolutely. Teaching golf to people who'd never been exposed to it before. The irony being is that there's all these people being exposed to the game for the first time seven hours west and up to seven hours west of, and probably further um, of Coffs Harbour. Um, yet my two kids have gone to a primary school in Melbourne. A haughty-taughty one, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit nasty, it but they've gone hard. to a primary school in Melbourne where the PE teacher has even been known to wear a golf company cap. Yeah. How many times do you think they've been offered golf? I'm tipping by the look on
0: your face, a total of zero.
1: It's got to be pretty close to zero, but the good news is they've been offered baseball, softball, volleyball, and netball. Um, just never golf. So really, it's again. I'm, I, I don't want this segment to be uh, who's, Phil really gonna <laughs> who's Phil going to whack who's Phil going to whack this week. It's but it's the random. reality is, is that we've got someone who's got off their ass and just said, I'm going to take golf as broad and as far as I can, it's and not I'm going to love-
0: Hashtag. It's an actual action.
1: That's it's a it's a doing, and it's fabulous. And I know it's been recognised by um, the PGA. I know they they acknowledge what's going on, and there was a bit of angst early on because there were some pros who think that they have a right to territories or right to areas. But Steve and Donna have just said, no, no, the game needs this. They need some help. And we are willing to, to put in and Good help on them on. out. So so that's my game changer this week is outbound golf. And I I think there's an opportunity there for a lot of people, but it's these people have done it. They're not talking about it. And and all credit to them. So there's my rant. It's Phil's weekly golf changing rant.
0: It's a wonderful rant, Phil.
1: Great. Have you got Damien something similarly cutting yeah, edge? Yeah, no, and- I have
0: something that's it's possibly even more serious, Phil. It might be um even more of a game changer, and I, I'm sorry I have to drop my voice a little bit here because I would need to put on the serious voice. You know how you go around occasionally and you have a caddy? And, you know, some of the courses that we play at, we're lucky enough to have some caddies, caddy for us, and they do a whole lot of things for us, don't they? Caddies are wonderful, Phil. They Shall we make a list of what they do? It's a short list, apparently. <laughs> According to you, I'm reading off your notes. Um, but instead of caddies, because let's be honest, what a waste. We don't need caddies. We need rangefinders, do like, I'm one of those people who is, I'm a pedantic um, bunker raker. I leave the bunker in a far more pristine condition than, I've, than I have than enter it in. And this is one of my absolute pet hates in golf. When you get in there and you've got a dodgy lie because of lazy Bigfoot before you, didn't rake it properly, which is such an easy thing to do. It's a very simple technique. In fact, it's one that caddies are supposed to be very good at too. Um I can't stand that. So, what I would like to introduce to golf is I think we need to have professional bunker acres. Somebody <laughs> around here. Don't worry about the distance. You've I'll, done it I'll, again. I've got a laser range finder for this. It does a pretty good job. I'm, I'm fine. Um, but what I do what I do need is to make sure that before my ball goes into the bunker, which it does several times every round, I'd like to know that it's going into a lovely lay.
1: So whilst it's in the air, would you like the bunker to be prepared, or are you saying once everyone's got out of
0: the bunker, we have a bunker raker? I haven't overly thought. This <laughs> yeah, apparently, I'm wanting a person sitting in every every bunker just there. Right? One <laughs> could be a lot. Might be a problem. Not whistling straight. Not sure. One person allocated per trap, possibly just to make sure the unions will be right behind this. Fair. Yeah. No, I agree with that because there is the, the bunker union
1: of Australia is actually one of the more powerful. But you um, <laughs> So, what
0: about fairway traps? Does that include fairway bunkers? No, fairway traps. I'm happy. I'm happy to just cop. You know, I'm not. I'm not being ridiculous here, Phil. <laughs> no, you're certainly not being ridiculous. <laughs> have you heard
1: of the term hazard? Yes, I have, Phil. Right. So discuss. I don't care. The, for the in your voice. Discuss the penalty that should be found by going into a bunker, Damien. Okay, so it's
0: completely fine, or Tomo, as I'll call you. <laughs> <laughs> it's completely fine. Your theory is fine. If. The bunker, if the hazard is the same for everyone, you can't have different different rules for different people, Phil. You can't have a different condition for someone who happens to care for the game more and look after the bunker than old Fatty McFat who just takes a big, jumps up and down in the bunker and then leaves it there for the next person to go. And so I'm in a bunker within a bunker. I'm not impressed.
1: So this conform tattoo that you've got on your head, where everyone must just conform and must do this, must rake in this method... I think there needs to be a standard. (laughs) And we need bunker rakers to support that standard. Well, I think
0: bunker rakers will make it fair for all.
1: So are you, can I just ask regarding bunker raking technique, are you more a smoother or are you a a groover? You know how the rake has two sides. I mean, you have the ability to to smooth. It has two sides for a reason. Would you like it left smooth or grooved?
0: You mean you want some turrets in there or do you want them? I
1: I'm asking you whether you would like the, the bunker to be finished ahead of from the bunker rakers because I'm trying to give them some guidance because I've already started recruiting on seek.com.au. No, that wasn't a plug looking for a sponsor. Um, but would you like – I mean, is there a particular technique that you would like? Because I tell you what I'm terrible at when it comes to raking bunkers, the rake throw. Because a lot of the courses don't like the rake being left out. And I don't know why there's conjecture about whether rake should be left in or out of the traps. But when a rake has to be left in a trap and you have to throw the rake back in, I am the worst rake thrower. Not only am I a short rake thrower, Is that but because you
0: undo all your good work?
1: It undoes all the good work. And then you look at the bunker and you say, well, Damien's playing in the group behind me. He's going to get a bit angry. I now need to go and re-rake. And now I'm getting yelled at for slow play. Help me with the break throwing. Maybe that's a segment you can do is yeah, how to throw the time, rake. We don't have
0: time here. I'll have it all laid out for you in my bunk rake, bunker raking manifesto that will be out shortly. Add it and, to your others. <laughs> I'm serious. I want this sorted. <laughs> I'm not really serious, but I'm serious. Oh, oh, well, thank you for bringing a bit of
1: uh, levity after another one of my rants, Damien. We can always rely on you for your big ideas. You are the Kramer of golf. You know that.
0: <laughs> that's hurtful. It's just beginning. Philip, enough of all that. Let's get straight into some gear effect for this week. Uh, I know you don't have any products per se, but you had something you wanted to rant about again. The ranting.
1: I do, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I've just taken a big deep breath so I can get it all out in one breath. Damien, I want to talk about feel. Feelings.
0: Fact. Feelings. Fact. About feelings. Are we on the
1: couch. <laughs> Not yet. Fact or phenomenon? Damien, I want to talk about feel, and it's just this concept of feel, and it comes up a okay. lot <laughs> in golf. Oh, that feels soft. Or oh, gee, silly. that feels hard. Um, in fact, Kipper likes yeah, yeah, to, to describe – not know what he's feeling. But he likes to describe, even in some of the reviews, drivers –
0: yeah, there was a driver uh, where he described it as hard, saying it's really hard off the face, and I'm like, no, I think it feels really soft. And then I went and read the the marketing stuff, and it's like now it's really super soft whatever, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. buttery, yeah, Yeah. So. feel.
1: So, so it's really just this discussion around what what is feel, and and so you'll if you listen to all the marketing stuff, it'll be cast feels hard, forged feels soft, or this ball feels hard and this ball feels soft, and there's there's a lot of discussion around it. Even the old the tests. Around, put headphones on or put earmuffs on, and hit balls, and you won't hit a range ball, and you won't know whether it feels hard or soft. You'll just know what it is. But we keep talking about feel. Everyone embraces, oh, that feels great, that mm-hmm. feels great. And I wonder a little bit more whether the feel has got more to do with whether the ball is coming out of the middle or Some whether the ball is missing more the middle. timing thing. Well, it's just what your level of contact is. So any any club hit out of the middle is more likely with the same golf ball is to to feel feel soft. As soon as you miss the middle, oh, it's a bit clunky. Yet would you, if you knew that a particular club that you were using, for example, if it was a forged iron, was meant to feel soft, Mm -hmm. would you ever have the courage to go against someone and say, oh, that feels hard, and have your playing partners look at you going, but it's forged. Yeah, like what would you know? So it's this idea of feel, be it fact or phenomenon, and it's the ultimate subjective thing. And that's what one of the things that we love about golf is the fact that everyone tastes something a little bit different, and everyone, heaven forbid, I say
0: it, feels something a little bit different. So we can we can agree that you do have different feelings with different clubs. So you hit two different clubs, and you know that they they do feel different.
1: One hundred percent. So we uh, case in point, I five hundred versus blueprint. Yeah, and we both hit those those irons. The blueprint irons felt softer. Mm-hmm for me, than the i500. But defining what soft
0: actually, mean.
1: actually means or is or otherwise. So when we're reading marketing guff about feel, feels great, or this ball feels feel soft off the face, or feel, 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 the reality is your feel and my feel aren't the same thing. And we actually spoke about that even with the Mizuno MP20s.
0: The MP20s was a perfect example with three, three, um, three clubs, or three irons, sorry, um, designed slightly differently, but you could genuinely... Genuinely feel a big difference with them. Not that one's necessarily better than the other. Although I did think um, the what was it? Not the MMC. Was it the, the MB? I the MB. Oh, I love the MB. Blade guy. Yeah, blade guy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the thing though. Like well, you could feel them. Same company, but three different irons, all felt differently.
1: That's right. So, so I suppose my my point, uh, and more than anything from a, a golf equipment or a gear effect point of view, is actually about saying that the you know, unless you're hitting three clubs in the same conditions, it'll be very difficult to to have a comparison point across the three. But if you were to hit three, as long as the ball is consistent, you can hit three clubs and get a sense of what feel changes. But whether one feels soft to you, driver, or one feels hard to you, kipper, driver, same golf club. So you're going to get marketing spiel that will tell you that it'll feel soft, but in reality, it's to the marketing guy, This is how it felt. And sound management, you know, they talk about feel and sound being the same thing. And so really what they're trying to do is they're trying to manage sound. Is because the minute it's a loud sound, it's hard. So they spend lots and lots of time and lots of design working, particularly with woods, on internal acoustics of woods trying to dampen sound.
0: Yeah, because I don't feel a huge difference using different balls now. As you know, I've I've gone to some of those lower spinning balls. I don't feel a huge difference with those as to a tool ball, but you see, you feel a real difference on your irons and on your wedges. In that, with different balls, I mean. So the ball, the ball category. Um, when you're talking about drivers, is that is that what you're talking about here? Yeah. So putting well, well that's one of the things they're trying to trying to sort of minimise or change the the feel of the ball. Kind of well, it's bit. ball, but it's everything. It's
1: actually the whole thing. So driver acoustics is what happens internally in that big chamber that is that is hollow all the way through to the ball feel. So you can change by changing the ball, you change the feel. So if you hit a forged iron, no, but I'm saying I
0: don't feel that with a driver.
1: Because you're compre- yeah, and that's because you're compressing because the
0: ball. I'm, r- I'm rubbish. As well.
1: Yeah, and you're rubbish, and you miss the middle, and it, it's really pointless. But because you you compress the ball more, when you actually hit a golf ball with a driver, you're really only feeling the core of the golf ball. You're not feeling the cover. Mm-hmm. The cover only comes in when you're barely touching the ball, particularly at putting. So you think about opposite ends. That's why tour players have their ball fitted
0: from a putt, from the green from a short putt first, and they
1: work their way back, as opposed to tee forward, because everything just feels. The same with the T. So feel, fact or phenomenon, the reality is feel is the ultimate subjective test of of anything. There is no objective this feels softer because Kipper and you can both declare that that driver feels hard. What do you mean by hard? And, in fact, watching you question Kipper about what do you mean by it feels hard, you can see his mind going, I'm not actually sure, in the same way that that feels soft. So maybe soft is quiet. And heart is loud. Who knows what the case may be? But so that's why I say, feel, fact, or phenomenon. It's actually what is important to you and what feels good to you. So let's forget the the marketing guff a little bit
0: and yeah, let's just go of that on. A lot to do with the marketing, doesn't it?
1: Let's just go on personal experience. Yeah.
0: My gear effect for this week uh, is about spin and how important it actually is. Yeah, particularly around wedges, you mate. No, no, I'm talking about honest marketing. <laughs> right. The spin. Uh, Jeez, I missed that. What? We, well, I I'm sort of just posing posing the question are we are we seeing more honesty in the marketing at the moment in golf marketing? Well I know we've like touched the wedges on that. is the example yeah. of it. we've just done the you know with the was it the Ping Glide 3.0 and the Mizuno T20s.
1: Yeah. I know we touched on the the honest marketing thing in a very early podcast and only briefly but one thing that really stood out to me doing some research ahead of the MP 20 or the T20 wedges um, was a quote Attributed to Chris Voschel at Mizuno, and Mm -hmm. I say attributed to because I wasn't there and I didn't hear it.
0: You haven't fact checked this, have you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And legal's saying, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. So, um, forgive me, please forgive me, Mizuno. I'm sorry if this is not real, but Chris Voschel.
0: Let's just say that perhaps he said something.
1: If it was real, this is what he might have said. He might have said regarding the new wedges and all this technology. You know, they've, so both Mizuno and Ping have pursued consistency. They want consistent spin. Mm-hmm. So for Chris Voschel to come out and say, if you want the highest spinning wedge that you can possibly get from the middle of the fairway on a perfect lie, then – and he actually named another brand. Which brand? Another one. He named another brand. He actually declared another brand. He said, if you want the highest spinning wedge from out of the middle of the fairway, go here. But if you want a wedge that spins consistently – from the middle of the fairway or the rough, or um, you know, in wet in conditions wet or otherwise, conditions, yeah. then you need to come and talk to us. And really, Mizuno and, and Ping have taken a very, very similar approach when it came to wedges. From that, so but I love the honesty of being able to finally declare, hey, if you want we're to not, really rip the,
0: the higher spinning, yeah. if
1: you want to rip the ball back out of the middle of the fairway for perfect lie, go by that.
0: But the reality is, in a way, I mean, I know you're saying it's honest, it's honest marketing, but it's also it's probably more. Like, like, what do you want? It, what do you want from your edges? You want that consistency. So it's not like he's actually knocking his product in any way, shape, or form.
1: No, no. The, in fact, he's promoting his product. He's promoting. It's that backhanded compliment of, Cause you, "We'll give you consistency. They'll give you spin out of a perfect lie."
0: Because all you need in the end is, if you can, ha- if you can have the consistency out of any lie, well, that just takes out one, ver- one massive variable. Trust
1: uh, it has got to be everything. But, but this spin, this idea of spin, and as I said, we've touched on it with with previous categories, and it is. Honest marketing is is certainly heading our way, but rarely do you actually hear someone say, "Actually, you know what? That'll work a little bit better in this set condition." However, you know, if you want all conditions, come and talk to us. And I really liked it. And I really liked it. And and it was just a bit refreshing to start to hear that. And the, another story on that, and this is going back a long time, but I'm old. I remember being at the PGA show um, in Orlando in two thousand and two. Um, and I was with a brand called Top Flight at the time and they just launched an XL3000 range of golf balls. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with the marketing guy then about the fact that two of the golf balls, or there were four balls in the range, but two shared a dimple, if that makes sense. So two of the balls had one dimple and two of the balls had another dimple. And I remember asking him why.
0: Dimple design, you mean?
1: Yeah, so dimple depth and dip, dimple width. So it didn't just
0: have one dimple?
1: No, okay. <laughs> no it wasn't the just dimple. Clarifying for it everybody. wasn't the dimple ball. <laughs> Um, But anyway, so he went into marketing mode. Um, An hour later, after a couple of sherbets, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by the propeller heads uh, and the NASA guys who were involved in the design of it. And I asked their head of testing and research. uh, I, I didn't really buy what that other guy told me. Why have these two balls got this dimple and those two balls got that dimple? And he said to me straight up, you know, we're not exactly sure at this stage. They just tested better and that's what we went with. And we
0: stuck with it. And them.
1: it was so refreshing. I mean this is as I say, this is going back to two thousand and two. It that was the light bulb moment that maybe there's a little bit of um momentum. And just calling it how it is, because that is a fantastic story. As we're not exactly sure. Now that might say, "Oh, our science is not good enough," or it might just say, "A bullshitter meter is not good enough." But that's actually a really cool.
0: That's far more compelling to me. Of course it is. Just going, it just works. It like, just I don't works. Know why my car goes yeah. from naught to hundred and yeah. whatever? Like it does though. Cool. That's all i need. That's no, right. Yeah. Not it, all. It's got to deal with the uh, rotatory, yeah. uh, you know, introspective, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm with you.
1: That's right, Kamara. It just goes. <laughs> You love it, yeah, I do. Yeah, no, it won't be the last time I'll mention the Camaro. I can assure you of that.
0: Oh, There you go. Well, that was that's the gear effect for this week. There's a there's a yeah, a couple of interesting questions in there, Phil. If anyone's still awake, Damien. Speaking of questions, we mm. received a bit of feedback this week. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this one over to you because I know mm. it's um it got your uh, it let you ch- you had a bit of a chuckle at the end
1: of this. Well, we spoke about it a few weeks ago in, in a podcast, I, I believe it was the Alpine Ibex. Um, which I just had to get in because it—that that is my favorite combination of words now that exist in the world. And the number of times I've used the term Alpine Ibex since that podcast um, it has been tremendous. Has, it's actually in my daily vocabulary. It's a usurped
0: cadence for you.
1: A <laughs> usurped cadence. See, that's now going to carry me forward. So from here it's usurped cadence, so Alpine Ibex out <laughs> and usurped cadence in. Um, but received some f- feedback via email. Um, Who was it from? Um, cool. From... Well, just say from John at Broadbeach. Okay. Um, and this was in regards baronesque behaviour, and we spoke about Miguel Anyal Jiménez. Oh, that's not so <laughs> um, As being the uber baron or heading in that oh, direction and about you know Ricky baron. Fowler being a baron, um, even though Tiger Woods didn't pick him for the President's Cup team, but we'll that's get upsetting. on to that at some other that's stage when I really him. get upset. Um, but about some other baronesque behaviour that's, that's occurred or that you've seen. And, and so I'm going to give you a very short story of Baron. It's just enough Baron.
0: Baronesque
1: Without being too ridiculously over the top. But um, names have been changed to protect identities and because legal told me they had to be. So it's <laughs> like a dentist on television. So I'm going to propose to you two blokes playing golf together at a very exclusive golf course um, mm-hmm. in Queensland, potentially in the Gold Coast vicinity. It's like um, a simple story, this And one. we're going to go with two people. We're going to call person A, Tony Green, and person B, Tony Blue. This is
0: a colourful story. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a great story. It's actually a really terrible story. But for from Baroness Behaviour, nine holes. They'd play nine holes in the morning, and they'd come into the clubhouse and sit down and decide to open a bottle of wine. What sort of wine do you think they would have opened, Damien, for this to – need or acquire a story
0: such as this under Baronesque behaviour. Baronesque. Well it could go one of two ways, Phil. It could be a really accessible wine. Queen Adelaide Chardonnay, you think? It could just be an out there, you've got to be kidding Grange kind of
1: Yeah, so we'll just go with Grange. So what they did is that they'd play <laughs> nine holes they'd play nine holes in the morning every Friday.
0: Oh God, I wish this was me, yeah. Go. They'd
1: play nine holes in the morning, they'd come in for a glass of wine or a bottle a glass. and it would be a delightful bottle of Penfold's Grange. Um, and then they'd wander out and no doubt play a better nine holes in the afternoon. And if they didn't, they
0: wouldn't remember. And if they days. didn't,
1: it didn't matter because they just had the greatest day of all time. So I, I was trying to categorise that as is that uber Baronesque, is it just borderline so unachievable that it's outrageous, but i tell you what it was worthy of a mention. So so my Baronesque behaviour of the week, thanks to John at Broadbeach, um, was, was Tony Blue and Tony
0: Green. Uh, and the bottle of Grange, as it shall be known in my next book. Jeez. We need to get we need to get um, some more of these stories. If you've got some stories out there of some baronesque behaviour, make sure you send us a, an email at swagger at golfbarons.com.
1: Absolutely. Um, now, Damien, what is the most baronesque thing you've managed to do in the last week?
0: In the last week? Um, oh, I wouldn't say it's anything over the top. Um, I have been <sighs> – I did the other night, I, I sat outside under the stars, which I'd like to do at the best of times, um, with some a bit of Ronza Kappa. Oh, magnificent. Cuban, Cuban rum is it Cuban or is it uh, I'm pretty sure it's
1: Cuban I thought that was a star constellation <laughs> I've got a bit of work to do to, to try and barren <laughs> myself up
0: The Ron Zagappa I've had a really good month of golf I've been really lucky to play some awesome places some really good experiences anywhere you'd like to drop um, there's been a couple Phil you, <laughs> Royal Melbourne Composite oh Composite right. uh, the New Victoria wow uh, that's heavy the, let's, let's not right. go too far into name dropping that's your thing not mine thank you but I was just sitting back reflecting on how lucky we are in, in what we do um and that we've pursued something we absolutely love and I was sitting there with a with a Paul Laranyago um Yago I can't even say I've Paul him. Um, cigar which is just this thing. is that is that one well, this is one of them. Can oh, you I'll just beat. have a smell of that? It's like a, it's almost like a Christmas oh. cake. It's just got these. This one, for the record, was the um, one of the special uh, Bellicoses Extra um, Special Edition. This one's from November. Oh EMA November. 08. No, Now I'm not a cigar guy, but it would be very easy. No, no, you will be. By from will, me, will be in the next few weeks. Don't worry about that. I am a Saint Andrews guy though. Um, but that, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say that. Maybe I should have had it with a Saint Andrews, but no, I had that with some rum and just just reflecting on. On golf and it was a it was just a um, it's one of those things I think we need to do is just be grateful for the things that we we have and hmm. and remember them as well. Like There's no point just going through it and then just forgetting and, and you know rushing through life as we all do we all have busy lives, but making sure you take that time to um, to relive those rounds as well. Barons Make, smell roses
1: Damian. barons stop and smell the roses or age tobacco. Or aged- in Cuban form, <laughs> <laughs> in a beautiful wooden box. Um, that so
0: yeah. Just reflecting back on back and stuff. So that was yeah. That's probably the the, the most barren like thing I've done in the last little while.
1: Well, that is, I mean, it is very Baronesque. It's just to sit back and relax and enjoy and celebrate the the finer things and the opportunities because golf presents opportunities and and for some people that is playing at a great golf course that we can all aspire to play at. Um And for others, it, it's and for us, luckily, it was playing at golf courses that. That even some of my friends can only but aspire to can only but aspire to play out. I thought you hated <laughs> sledging. Okay. No, I'm back. This is the new me. Since you said that you love sledging, I'm in. It's just that I don't have much material. So I'm Game gonna need some on.
0: Work. You gotta go with the comedy takes you, Phil. And sitting out under the stars, it got me dreaming, Phil. Damien, your segues are absolutely
1: outstanding.
0: Let's get straight into it. You've got an absolute cracker. Dreaming course for us this week
1: um, well, I do have one, and I um look, I received an email because like with me, everything's got a backstory <laughs> to it, um, so yeah, settle in, get your pillow we've noticed here we go. Um, I received an email um, a couple of weeks ago um, from an old friend and colleague um, who I hadn't heard from from a long time it was it was a really a very pleasant surprise, um you know, just finding out what's been going on in, in his life and a few other things, but within that email, there was a link. To a golf course Mm -hmm. or resort or golf heaven. I'm not even sure how much to (laughs) pump this up, but I don't think I could pump it up enough. And it's in Fiji.
0: Oh, Fiji!
1: We've already done that in Dollar Bay. And it was no. That's because this is 18 levels above that in Dollar Bay. That's not (coughs) possible. That'll happen. Um, And this place is called. And I may well butcher the pronunciation because I do have a reputation to uphold. um, Lathala Island. Lathala. Lathala Island. Um, how do you spell that? L A C U A L A.
0: You sound very confident. Lacaua. <laughs> like, like like-
1: I understand that, but that's not the point. It's not about how you how you spell it. It's about how you say it, because I've that's got to fe- that's do very the right Fijin. thing. Um, but this place may well be the greatest place I've ever seen in my life. Visually, um, there's this, a golf course there designed by a fantastic course designer called David McClay Kidd. It's not like you to
0: you to be full of hyperbole, Phil. Oh,
1: I, I can't begin to talk about exactly how enormous this place is. So wow. this beautiful golf course um, that weaves in and out um, the plantations, it looks like absolute isolation, but in the condition is through the roof and he is a serious course designer. So he designed the the castle course at St Andrews, which is also one of my favourites that I've ever played. So as soon as I saw his name associated with it, I thought, yeah, this is going to be good. It can't be bad. Um, But it's also the the ultimate – this is the ultimate luxury of everything. I mean, from the – visually, the colours – like Fiji is always magnificent and the the turquoise waters and everything else, unbelievable. But the contrast of colours of the grass of the fairways to the – the green of the plantations to the food to the accommodation to everything. This is like the golf would get me
0: there. How have I not heard of this? Because it's a secret and I'm sharing this with you, Damien. Phil, this sounds very baronesque. We might need to, dare (laughs) I say it, we might need a journey.
1: (laughs) We might need a journey. Um, I I don't care whether we get there or not because I was in heaven watching it, just thinking to myself, the lucky people who get to go there and yes this is not a this is not a a cut priced novotel top mm. resort but the people who are fortunate enough to get there and have that experience then all credit and all luck to them because this place looked like it sounds like heaven. the heaven you play golf it's just it's the reason you aspire to anything and it allows us to dream whether it's aspirational whether we can actually get there or not it, it, for me it summarized what golf dreaming is it's just oh just give me three or four day weeks there maybe a month um, and I'm, you know, I am know, just want to make sure that I've played every part of the golf course and explored every part of the island. Um, but it, it looks like the most unbelievable experience. And so I'm really grateful because out of nowhere, um, out of an email from someone I haven't spoken to for a long time and was really glad to hear from, I then get a link to what may be golfing heaven on earth. And that's a big coming for me with my love of St. Andrews, very different sort of place, um, but a great surprise. Having never heard of it, clicked on the link and just thought, where are we so Lothala Island and again apologies if I've so is that,
0: it's the, the islands called Lothala, is the course called the same thing yes it's, it's, a research, it's a private island
1: it's a private island that it can call itself whatever it wants well, <laughs> I don't
0: know how to get on that and what about for
1: you Damien where are you dreaming of as I do my snobby dreaming to somewhere that I just I, I can't stop talking about well, it' or smiling when I I I'm know, speaking you're, you're grinning and
0: I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna go somewhere a little bit more a little bit more accessible for it, for our barons. As he says, as he, sip, he sips it's, away on it's some, it's actually really good. it, it's really good. The other day, I played around at a local club, a local place for me, the Dunes. Mm. The Dunes, very simple. People talk about, oh yeah, the Dunes here. But I genuinely think the Dunes is one of the best golf experiences you can have in this country, anyway. But more than anything, it's, it has to be. This is the obviously the Dunes down in the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah, it has to be. In the top, at least top handful, if not right nudging the very top of public courses that are accessible for a full experience. I think it's a fantastic place.
1: I'd go as far as to say globally. And and when we talk about public courses, we're not talking about that'll cost you a thousand or that'll cost no, you five hundred really US. Were, we're talking about access, really yeah. accessible golf courses. We take the Dunes for granted. If you live in Melbourne, the Dunes is absolutely taken for granted about how good it right. is, um, the playability of it, how it endures the test of time. The the rolling hills, how the, the course manoeuvres its way, because mm-hmm. um, that's a, a Cashmore.
0: Yeah, I think it's a Tony Cashmore designed course. Uh, and
1: and his fine, it must be his finest design. I think, it,
0: I think it is. I absolutely love it. I think he's, I spoke to him about it, and he's clearly got a very soft spot for it as well.
1: Uh, and quite rightly. But we, um, I would put it in, it has to be in the top handful in Australia, certainly. But if it's not in the top 50 in the world, a really accessible, and we talk about accessible, I'm, I'm not talking Pebble Beach. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not talking St. Andrews at 300 pounds or whatever it is. Yeah. Which, by the way, I really love. But in terms of accessibility,
0: it, it is unbelievable and always in great condition. The condition's unbelievable, yeah. It's always it's. – I've never played it in even mediocre condition. It's always almost pristine. And the the number of – um, well, the foot traffic that gets through there on a weekend, it can get pretty busy, and it still maintains its uh, condition. I've never, had, never played it in a poor condition. I hope I never do.
1: I think that's a fantastic dreaming. And I think w- one thing that is very barren is that we don't always have to dream – of the places that I always have to dream of. <laughs> you know, we're allowed to actually balance the whole thing between between what is as- absolutely aspirational and, and where wouldn't that be nice versus, hey, I can achieve that.
0: Yeah, and I'll get out there and have a hit and, and enjoy it and have a wonderful experience. So that's for me. Yeah, the dunes, I absolutely love it. That's a dream a dream for me um, and one that I'll be getting back to quite shortly. Phil, the time has come. We've tried to put it off as long as we could, but it is time for one of Phil's magnificent History lessons.
1: Mm, I can see
0: you're you're already enthralled, Damien. I might have to pull myself with St. Andrew's. The fact you get that, that off.
1: I don't think it counts if you drink them all individually. Oh. <laughs> so my history lesson of this week is quite a controversial history lesson, and it's Ooh, not. Hello, and it's not really history, and it's not a rant. It's just something I wanted to say. You've piqued my interest. Right, thank you. First time, my interest is piqued, Phil. That's good. And this this topic of this one is called creative scoring.
0: Ooh, cheating!
1: <laughs> well, well,
0: yeah, the- is everything PC yeah. these days? <laughs> cheating. So,
1: what I'm going to talk about is creative scoring, and I'm not going to refer to Matt Kuchar in the Porsche European Open Gosh. using a shovel and a bucket and spade to give himself a good lie out of the bunker because all the grains of sand were a fraction bigger than the other grains of sand.
0: There is no way you've cleared this of the i <laughs>
1: So, I'm, I'm getting waved off.
0: Or it could be your hashtag.
1: So that's why I said I'm not going to refer to that. I'm not referring to what happened because that's not cheating. That's rule manipulation. Playing <sighs> on the edge. Is that what? Yes, we're Yes. Green with? light. Go. Good? Done. Right. I've moved on from that. So there are three examples that I'm going to use today, just to finish off because I like to. Feel free and I'm trying to, try use to the get word through
0: allegedly, to this. Allegedly, Phil, as often as allegedly.
1: It. Allegedly. So the first one resulted in a nickname. In fact, mm-hmm. the first couple might have, but the first one <laughs> resulted in a nickname and it is written, and so therefore must be cleared because someone else has already declared all this happened. And the nickname was Mark O'Neara. Ah, uh-huh, yeah, you have come back. To- <laughs> <laughs> so 1997 Longcom Trophy, Mark O'Neara marked his ball on the green, and when he replaced his ball, allegedly it may or may not have been some distance closer to the hole than it otherwise should have been under the laws of golf. Hence the nickname, Mark O'Meara, went on to win the Longcombe Trophy by one shot. And upon reviewing what had happened subsequently, John Paramore, who's the head of and rules on the European Tour, did confirm in hindsight that it should have been a penalty. Mm -hmm. But therefore it wasn't that word that you said that starts with the C-H and rhymes with bleating. So therefore it's not that. Nor is the next one where... Cheatin is his first nickname, but I won't say the second one, other than to say that a player (laughs) of some esteem was banned in 1985 from the Indonesian Open for altering his scorecard. Now, this player was a major champion and... Legal's waving me off that one. So I've moved on. And so the last example. <laughs> so you see,
0: you've
1: done enough of Fiji is what you're saying. <laughs> the, la- <laughs> the last example um, that I'm going to get, and this is the one that, and it was from a documentary, and I'm sure it was a documentary. It, it certainly seemed like a documentary to me when I was young, um, was a player by the name of Judge Smiles. You're a clown. Now, one day Judge Smiles kicked his ball out of the rough uh, and claimed winter rules, which was <laughs> – I wasn't aware of winter rules existing at, at that time, but I've been assured that the, the Nivlick was it is a golf club in the bag. But where the treating really came in is at the end of the hole, he requested his caddy put him down for a five. Um now one of the other players, caddies declared, and it was all on oh, this is all footage. It, it was a documentary, wasn't it? I'm not sure, Phil. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it was a documentary. Anyway, one of his one of his playing partners, caddies, did suggest that he had at least nine. But Judge Smale. So he was the, he's the king of creative scoring. But there's been a couple of examples of it. And to be completely frank, I hope I never have to speak. Listen up, everybody. I hope I never have to speak of any creative scoring again, whether it be a boys' trip away, whether it be playing in a tournament or any other time or any other occasion. Just count your shots and do the right thing. Here endeth this week's history lesson. That,
0: is that especially on the Murray? <laughs>
1: I don't know anyone called Murray. Actually, I do. It's his- Good old Muzz. There you go. But Damien, thank you for staying awake for my terrible history. In fact, my history lessons are getting worse, and I'm going to give myself an uppercut and try again. But is the there something of- you'd like to lighten? This
0: has that- kept me awake. Would you like to lighten the mood? Yeah, I'll-, I'll give you something, Phil. There was this couple, married couple playing golf, and the wife turns to her husband as he's just about to tee off, and she asks him out of the blue, honey, if I died, would you get married again? Of course not, he says. Like, just trying to shake her off. Move away. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Don't, don't don't fall into that trap. Really? I'm sure you would, she says. And he looks over at her and says, oh, well, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And then the wife asks, would you let her sleep in our bed? And he turns around and says, well, yeah, I guess so. But surely you wouldn't let her use my golf clubs, the wife says, with this slight, slightly accusatory tone. Of course not, he says. She's left-handed. <laughs> Oh, Damien. Oh, and that is tenuous links for today. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Ping GLE2 Clubs. Faster, lighter, and just so easy to swing. These are a great set for the girls. Get in her good books, guys, and buy it for her for Christmas or at least arrange a custom fitting at Ping any day this week. And remember to jump on to baronslife.com. And subscribe for free to get all our updates, golf barons show reminders, and issues of Barons Life, our golf and lifestyle digital magazine, and quite frankly, possibly the best going around in the world. Phil, until next time, thank you, Damien. Enjoy yours, Andrews. Add some swagger to your swing.